Next Generation Innovators is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land, and we pay our respects to the elders, past, present and emerging. Hello, I'm Brooke Boney, your host for Next Generation Innovators, a future women podcast in partnership with the Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources Entrepreneurs Program. Each week we tap into the stories behind some of Australia's most successful entrepreneurs and how they've scaled their ideas into global businesses. So whether you're in business, you own one or you dream of doing it yourself, these conversations will guide you through the ups and downs of startups from ideation and development to investment and scale. I'm joined again today by my co-host, Alicia Stevenson, Chief Commercial Officer at Future Women. Hello, lovely. Hello, Brooke. In this episode, we are speaking with Sienna Cachulo from Clothing the Gap. Clothing the Gap is a Victorian, Aboriginal-owned and led social enterprise. They're a fresh and dynamic fashion label managed by health professionals that celebrates Aboriginal people and culture. It's so exciting to have you here. Please, for anyone who doesn't know, tell us about Clothing the Gap. So Clothing the Gap is a small social enterprise. Um, We're Aboriginal owned and led. Um, We like to say we are a fashion label. We're profit for purpose. So we reinvest all our profits into advocating, educating, motivating people and celebrating black excellence. Sienna, what makes a social enterprise special? What draws you specifically to a business that has a cause above business for pure profit? Yeah, that's a really good question. I guess I've always been very family and community orientated. And I guess that's what's sort of been driven into me when I was younger. I've always, you know, you do things for other, you work as a team, you work collectively. So a social enterprise was just a no brainer for me. That's what always has, you know, community care has always driven me more so than money. Working for a social enterprise, I guess it it makes me feel like I'm doing my part in the world and making this world a bit better for everyone. And if anything, I hope COVID has really seen the importance of that and seen the importance of community care and having to work together as a collective. Oh, I just love hearing you talk about that. You know, you can see how passionate you are and you've got your store located in Preston um, and you work alongside Vic Health. But I'm wondering, do you have plans for Clothing the Gap to expand nationally? I think having an online store has, you know, it's given us the opportunity to for other people to jump onto it and support it and to do more. So that's been great. But we've actually also just now that we're in the fashion fashion world and the brand world, it's like, all right, what, what do other partnerships look like other than government initiatives or organisations? And Frank Green has been one that we've been, you know, trying to get to for a very long time. We used to make cups. They're Melbourne-based. We're Melbourne-based. They care about the environment. They, you know, that's a social cause itself. We're like, we need to partner with them. And then it took a lot of nagging, Frank Green, and then finally, you know, we're in discussions and we've just, we're about to launch our partnership long term. It's not limited edition. Um, we're coming up with a, we're going to come up with a NADOC range every year. And 
yeah, I think that's something really, really cool that some Clothing the Gap has been able to do. It's like instead of working with government, what are some other brands that we can, who align with our values that we can work with? And another thing is we're doing virtual events now. So we're about to run our third one, which we've just loved doing. So we're going to keep doing that. We, we've come up with an idea to get more Aboriginal organisations involved on a national level. So we're working together with co-ops and we've actually made like starter packs or packs for mob and organisations to be able to buy the pack and they can run their own little program throughout all of Australia, which, which leads to the event. It's been really cool to see what we can do on a national level instead of just our little bubble of Victoria, because originally, you know, Centre of the Profits supported health promotion programs in Victoria. But now, because online's a thing and we've got a bigger audience, we've been able to, you know, support something on a national level. And look, as one Victorian to another, well done, because we do really like to be uh, on our own island, in our own club in Victoria. So uh, from one to another, I salute you. And for everyone playing at home, as Sienna was talking, Brooks held up her Frank Green water bottle that she's got with her in the podcast studio. Um, so not pre-planned, a lovely coincidence. And look, I think it's worth us probably saying, Sienna, that in case you live under a rock and you're not aware, the key product uh, or key products uh, that you make uh, is a clothing range and different ranges of wearable products from hats and beanies and jumpers, t-shirts, singlets. And so it's, it's an amazing thing to use the power of fashion for this, you know, everything that you're talking about encompassing encompassing mm-hmm. through <laughs> social change in in Australia for Aboriginal people what's your experience in fashion changing people's hearts and minds yeah there's so much power in fashion and I think the, the biggest example of that was when we've been running the free the flag um, campaign for a year now and we got all 18 AFL football clubs to join the campaign within three days. It was a very, very long three days. And that meant nearly every single AFL footballer wore a Free the Flag t-shirt for pre-warm-up and for training the weekend of Sir Douglas Nichols round. And that led to a Senate inquiry in Parliament. And so can fashion influence social change? Well, it, it, it has and it is doing that. And I'll never forget the, the after Carlton had burst GWS and the first thing Eddie did after game before he celebrated the win was put on his free the flag t-shirt straight after the game and walk off the field and the roar from the crowd when he pointed to that t-shirt was like yes fashion is doing something fashion can do something and yeah I guess it's been amazing to see. It has been incredible to watch from afar as well and I know that we even talked about it on the Today Show which is something that you know I didn't think that we would be talking about um, you know at the beginning of the year and it's it's been an incredible thing to to, to see unfold and it started all the way back as you mentioned in June 2019. Can you tell us more about how it came about who owns the flag where the issue's up to and what needs to happen next to make the flag free to use like every other flag in the world so harold thomas is the designer of the aboriginal flag and he recently licensed out the rights to the flag to a non-Indigenous company called Ram Clothing. So we've always, Laura's always designed flag product merch. So we had a beanie with a flag on it and then she went like 
three times bigger and did a jumper with, I think there was like four flags on that one jumper. And the day it came, this is when we were still so tiny. Laura was so excited. She jumped on and did a live of the jumper and was like talking about all the flags that she had. And the jumper was surrounded with all the mob names from all around Australia. So she was like really excited talking about it on the Facebook Live. The video went viral. And the day after, we were sent a cease and desist from this company, Ram Clothing, for selling flag products without permission and without paying Ram Clothing to use the flag. And we did some further research and found out that Wham Clothing is the same owners of Birubi Arts and Birubi Arts had just been fined in federal court $2.4 million for importing fake Aboriginal art. So when we heard that, we're like, why, one, why should we have to pay to use our flag? And two, why do we have to pay a non-Indigenous company to use our flag? You know, no other flag is treated like this. We can use any other flag. We can wear it proudly, buy it anywhere we should have the same rights to our flag as well. So that day we did another video and we made a petition called Pride Not Profit and we put it out there and it's gotten a lot of great responses for up to 150,000 people who have signed the petition. We then started making Free the Flag merch instead of flag products to get the word out there and raise more awareness. What we want it to lead to is just flag equality to use our to be able to use our flag the same way we can use every other flag in the world you know laws talks about how she can't wait for the day that she goes into coals on survival day weekend and right next to all the australian flag plates and cups and serviettes is the aboriginal flag plates and cups and and serviettes and that's not going to happen until there's a free market of the aboriginal flag there's a Senate inquiry happening now. So they've been doing that for the past two weeks. Um, so I think something is going to happen. It's just, what is that going to be? How How is it going to be resolved? And, and so Sienna, Laura went and spoke at the Senate inquiry um, prior to that report being written. Do you know any of the details around what she said, around what the discussions were? Um, can you enlighten us on that without breaking any rules? Um, so it's all... It's all public. So Laws' video is actually on our Facebook and Instagram page and our website and every other person's video and their inquiry and their submission is sitting on our website now. Our website is so much more than a shop. We're an educational piece and we're, we campaign. So our website is filled with all this information. There's information of the flag timeline, how to get involved with the movement, all the Senate inquiry stuff is on that as well. But Laws just spoke about how you know, the Aboriginal flag makes people feel and it makes us feel seen and it makes us feel heard and it makes us feel safe. And, you know, by having invisibility cloak of the Aboriginal flag pretty much right now because we're being forced to pay for it is we're seeing less and less flags in the world. If anyone wants to listen to it, it's a really, really nice and emotional, I can't do it justice, but the way she speaks is so emotional and so passionate and it's, it's definitely worth the 10 minutes worth watching a video. And she's wearing the jumper that we actually got in trouble for as well so yeah it's a beautiful video i want one of the jumpers that you got in trouble for so badly <laughs> well one day a flag is free we'll hopefully be able to do like a whole range of um flag products and bring back the stuff yeah it was a cool jumper it's really sad and we had a really cool beanie as well so we've had to find other ways around it like what can we make instead mm. Carla Scotto was she's a non-indigenous artist and she designed the always was always will be design that we've got on a lot of our stuff and 
when the free the flag thing came about and we, we weren't allowed to use our flag she actually messaged us and gifted her design to us um and said you know this you, you can use this as a replacement of that she said you know this is this is my gift to you in the aboriginal community and my way of paying the rent so we've been using that design to replace the flag which when did try to cease and desist us for that as well and say it wasn't out that we weren't allowed which we when it got legal action and then they actually decided that they were going to make that product and they copied the design and started making always was always will be t-shirts with the Carla Scotto's design for a short period of time we definitely got them with legal action and said what are you doing and they took the products down straight away. Can I ask it's been such a big year for for everyone but you know particularly for for people involved in in race-related movements, you know, anyone pushing forward BLM. Um, how do you keep your good grace and your strength and, you know, fortitude in the face of all of this stuff that's going on? I just surround myself in my little bubble. I'm really, really lucky as an Aboriginal person that I get to work with other Aboriginal people who go through the same stuff, think like me, act like me they're my kind of people and then I live in the northern suburbs of Melbourne but we're quite progressive and like-minded and I like to surround myself with people who agree and support what I support it's funny going around the northern suburbs now and how much clothing the gap we just see (laughs) while the flag is held hostage and there's a disappearing of the flag I hope that the clothing the gap can make Aboriginal people feel safe and feel like they belong where they are and they're they're safe in their space because when I see Aboriginal people or when I see people wearing clothing the gap stuff or even just Aboriginal design in general, I'm just like, all right, these are my kind of people. These I'm safe here. I'm not going to get into a, a disagreement or a fight here. We can't have the podcast going through in, in the light of everything important that you're doing without asking how COVID has affected the business. Yeah, (laughs) it's definitely put a spanner in the works. Like we clothing the gap with something smaller and our health promotion programs was the bigger thing. And we ran programs throughout all of Victoria through, you know, football clubs, Fitzroy Stars, the football club. We managed that to women's programs to, we we were supposed to go to Kokoda in July and take a bunch of young Aboriginal women to Kokoda. And when COVID hit, it was just like, bam, none of those are happening anymore. But I think not that it's been a blessing, but it's also given us a lot more time to think and reflect on clothing the gap, how we want clothing the gap to grow what its values, what's its impact going to be. I know we call Clothing the Gaps a play on word for closing the gap. Um, And we think health programs and health and wellbeing and holistic programs can do that. But, you know, it's not just about health programs or what Aboriginal people are doing to close the gap. It's about equity and social change can close the gap too. And I think Clothing the Gap has given us the ability to do that, to push for social change and to educate So though we haven't been able to do programs physically, we've been able to connect with a lot of people on a national level now, an international level now, and to make a different kind of impact. So it's been hard not being able to be with people, which that's always been our normal, but it's been really cool to see what Clone the Gap's been able to do this year and how we've been able to shift how our impact we've been able to still do our impact but shift the way we do it so I think I've seen a lot more startups and a lot more individuals you know start their own thing in their business and think outside of the box of a not just a nine-to-five job that you have to go into an office what does business look like in the 21st century uh, post-covid so I've seen a lot of cool things come out of 
COVID and people get creative, but also how I spoke before about community care. I think I haven't seen more of that ever in my life than I have during COVID is, you know, people really thinking we have pandemic to get people to actually care about other people. But I guess if that's what it's had to take, it's, it's a good thing. It is such a weird time, isn't it? Because it's been such a traumatic year for everyone. But we are having conversations about things that we've never had conversations about before. And people are thinking, like you said, about others in a way that they never have before. And, you know, I think that people are figuring out ways to shift and to to sort of work around what the challenges are. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after a message from our partner, the Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources. The Entrepreneurs Program can get you from where you are to where you want to be. Our team of independent business experts can help you bring your ideas and innovations to life. We've got the tools and the networks to get you on the way. And you may be eligible for funding to make it happen. To find out how the Entrepreneurs Program can help you take your business to the next level, visit business.gov.au forward slash EP or call 13 28 46. Future Women is dedicated to helping women connect, learn and lead. There's a price point to suit all budgets or talk to your company about a corporate training membership to advance your professional development. Just head to futurewomen.com. Welcome back to Next Generation Innovators, where our guest today is Sienna Cachulo from Clothing the Gap. On the weekend of the 20th of November, you're running a campaign called Connected to Country to encourage people to run or walk or move in any way they can over their own chosen distance from five kilometres. This is uh, is to support the rollout of Aboriginal health and education programs, which is absolutely amazing. And it's also encouraging people to be healthy during COVID. How How is all of that going? I guess that's another thing that's come out of COVID as well is our virtual events. Everyone at the office, so we're all health professionals. The team is, there's four full-timers and we're all runners. We all know the social thing that you can get out of it, but the health benefits of running as well. So we did our first one when coronavirus hit and we called it Run Rona just to keep people motivated to keep running. And it was really, really great. I think we got up to 4,000 people registered from all over the world. So we're like, all right, let's do this again. This is great. Let's do it for NAIDOC week. How NAIDOC week's been postponed, um, but we still want to celebrate NAIDOC virtually. Like, you know, NAIDOC week is massive to the Aboriginal community here. I think we really, really felt it not having that this year. So we're like, how can we, you know, still connect with one another, even though we can't be together physically? And our NAIDOC run was our next one. And so we created our NAIDOC event for our Aboriginal people to, you know, connect together virtually. And... I think for non-Indigenous people, it was to learn more about Aboriginal culture, what NAIDOC Week is, the importance of NAIDOC Week. And we really encourage our non-Indigenous people to, you know, research what land you run on and you live on and reflect on that and reflect on the Aboriginal people this week during NAIDOC Week. And we encourage our, our people to, you know, do Instagram videos, to do posts, to do stories. And I think we had like an hour's worth of footage of just everyone doing video footage and it was just so nice seeing all the non-Indigenous people you know 
do some research about the land that they run on and and to reflect on that when they're running and we got a lot of nice messages being like you know I've never really thought about that and thank you for making me think about that and an opportunity to celebrate Aboriginal culture and for Aboriginal people it was like thank you for giving me an ADOC week when I'm feeling really down about not being able to be with my mob right now in community and I'm so unmotivated and you've given me a reason to motivate and, and to get out that door and I think we just saw the power of virtual runs and how amazing it went for not for Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people we're like we're going to keep doing this and this is going to be one of our impact piece I'm doing the half marathon I've dedicated myself oh, to it's officially oh eight weeks out. Do you run Alicia? Um, I wouldn't call it running. I'm, I move at a faster pace than walking every now and again. Well, I don't run either. So maybe we should set ourselves a little 5km challenge and do it. I mean, no one is a runner until you actually give it a go. Like I, so I did New York Marathon last year, which is 42.195Ks. And that was in October. And at the start of the year, no joke, I could not run further than 3Ks. Like I've always done swimming and I've always done netball. It's always been really like adrenaline, fast paced stuff. I've never had to do long distance things. And I challenged myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a crack. And I was, sadly, I was training for the 3K tryout. Like I was running 3Ks and dying every day because I'm like, I need to make this 3K for the tryout. And six months later, I ran 42.195Ks. Like it's crazy what your body can do. when you train for something. So you guys can do it. Everyone's a runner. If I could do a, a marathon, you guys can definitely do 5K. I'm looking at, I don't want to do 42K. No, I'm going to do it. And not only will I do it, I'm going to do it in the, I'm going to do it in the jumper. Yeah. It doesn't matter how warm yes. it is. We're going to do it in the jumper. Yeah. Okay. This is a deal done and done 5Ks. We've had so many people who've done our first run, Rona run, and, you know, they set that 5K distance and they're like, I've never done this before. This is going to be so hard. And then the next one's come and they've signed up for the 10K. And now it's the next one and they're like, I'm doing the next beat. I'm doing the 21K. So it's been so amazing. We've grown some runners out of this, which is really cool. Once you start, it's such a great crowd to be around. It's a great community to be around. And it's free. You can do it anywhere. And it just makes you feel good. So... We've decided that Clean the Gut, this is one of our impact pieces. We're going to do two runs a year, every year. One for NAIDOC week, and it's going to be themed whatever the NAIDOC theme is going to be. And then we're going to do one later in the year, and we'll talk to community on what do we think the theme should be. All right, that's it. We've, we've said it now. It's, it's recorded yeah. officially. Um, so, yeah, we're doing it. 5K. You guys are going to have to do some video footage for us as well. So oh, we yeah. Oh, if I run 5K, you better believe it'll be documented for history. <laughs> also, if you're listening right now and you're thinking about doing the Clothing the Gap run, then please um, tag us in your yeah. photos, in your videos, and let us know how you went. Yeah. Probably better than what we're going to do, if we're being honest. We have a Strava club as well. I have this saying where I'm like, if it's not on Strava, it, done, it didn't happen. And it's just like a running Facebook page where you can add your own friends and you can see their runs and you can see where they went. So I think we've got up to 4,000 people in our Strava club it's a different side of community that we created which is really cool and really motivating when you know you're sitting there and you're like I can't be bothered running and then you go into Strava and you look into the club and you look at you know the aunties and uncles that got up and got out that door some of them are like five in the morning I'm like if these people didn't do it 
I can do it. So my next question now has some some personal desire attached to it because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna earn me one of these. Um, the race medal that you get at the end of this, can you tell us a bit about it? And 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 I will post a picture of it when I have mine and when Brooke has hers. Mm. Yes, they're so good. Laura is so excited about her medals. So Laura Thompson is the founder and does a lot of the designs for Clothing the Gap and. She got super, super excited when she found out that she got to design a medal for the runs because she goes, there are no, there's not a single Aboriginal designed medal out there. And she goes, and if I've seen one, they're ugly. <laughs> and she's like, they're not even worth mentioning. This one is not, it's beautiful. But the one for Nadoff was so beautiful that she designed. And you know, this one's her gum leaves. It's really pretty. There's options. If, if you're a metal person, you know, you, you can register and get the medal. But if you're not a metal person, there's an option where you don't have to get a medal. She's designed some really beautiful bibs as well. So we've definitely gone all out. I love that there's such a big focus on ethics um, around the stuff that you guys do because Clothing the Gap, um, you know, we're ever possible is um, going to try to meet the accreditation standards of Ethical Clothing Australia. Can you tell us a little bit more about getting that accreditation and some of the difficulties you face in in manufacturing onshore in Australia? Mm -hmm. We're super, super, super proud that we have got such a a really genuine relationship with our manufacturer. Like I don't know how many brands out there could say they know and they have their manufacturer in their phone and call them maybe three times a week. We have got such a great relationship with our manufacturer and we we want to continue to do that where we can support local business as well, especially given the economy right now. We want to support local, the local economy and local industry, any means necessary. Our goal to have everything that we do be made Australian made, there's just not much of a market for it. It's very, very small just because offshoring is so much cheaper. So we're now in a position where we're talking to our manufacturer where he's going to start making our our T-shirts from, you know, from scratch so we can keep it local and we can keep it Australian made. The only downfall is that we're limited with colours we try to do as best we can. We try to support other local brands as best as we can. That's why we chose Frank Green and hassled Frank Green for so long. So we love working with other people and building on those relationships as well. Quite a lovely thread or quite a lovely um, theme pulling through. We were talking about the council where you're located and the really, really close relationship that you have with the council and like-minded people and, you know, the manufacturer. And, you know, it sounds to me like it would be lovely to be hassled by you, um, you know, like for Frank Green. <laughs> you know, it sounds like you have lots of really honest, really lovely, really great relationships, which for any business, no matter what size it is, 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 the, is the true currency upon which a great business functions. And that's its ability to, to have great values and then espouse those great values and push them out into the world and create great relationships. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have any kind of playbook around that stakeholder engagement? Is there a standardised way, you know, is there something that we can learn and take away from that? It sounds like you do that much better than most. In the very beginning when we're so small, we're like, we'll partner with anyone just so we can grow our brand and, you know, raise more awareness about ourselves. As we got a lot busier and, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement it's really real right now. I think there's been a lot of performative activism and tokenism that has come out of that. So we had a lot of brands hit us up and say, let's do something together. You're an Aboriginal brand. And at the start, we're really excited. We're like, oh, like this big brand wants to do something with us. And then we had to take a step back and we're like, 
okay, is this a genuine relationship? This is going to be a genuine partnership. What are their values? What are our values? And we really had to, you know, workshop and say, we will only work with people who align with our values. If you don't align align with us, it's just not going to work. And, you know, with Frank Green, when we finally hassled them and we spoke about this ongoing partnership, we decided we're like, you know what, we only want to partner with you though, if your values align with us. And they do it with the environmental side of things, but we're like, you know, we've got campaigns like Free the Flag campaign. We've got, you know, it's not the date to celebrate campaign for survival day. If you don't agree with those things that we, and you won't support those campaigns, then we don't actually want to partner with you. And Frank Green's come back and said, no, you know what, we support that. Lush has come out and they're going to want to do a camp. They want to do a campaign with us for Survival Day about the, it's not the date to celebrate. And my proudest partnership is Homie Streetwear, which is another social enterprise. They're a fashion brand and 100% of their profits support young people going through homelessness or hardship. And it's just been really, really nice and genuine and it's been so easy and we don't want to have partnerships with people that don't isn't easy to have or we have to you know really talk and convince them to do something or support something going forward you know that's that's our motto if your values don't align with us then we're not interested and but we also you know we encourage collaborations and we encourage people to partner with other businesses instead of you know you look at brands that just you know they want to do more with aboriginal culture and people and they'll just do a quick collab and they say they've done something but we're like what impact did that really make financially and socially and now so we're really pushing for you know partnerships and an ongoing thing than just a once-off thing that's pretty much tokenism performative activism I want one of our campaigns next to be about, you know, what does your business actually look like when you talk about wanting to do better and do more and they talk about the models that they use, choose to use and having diverse models using that and, you know, we're we're diverse and we're inclusive and it's like, uh, what does your business look like when we talk about diversity and inclusivity and how can that make an impact more so than what models that you use? Yeah, not just the the front-facing side of it. I think, you know, some of the most effective ways of, um, you know, helping communities is around things like procurement targets and employment targets and, you know, internship and scholarship targets, not Mm -hmm. just, um, you know, having a glossy brochure or an Instagram post with um, a brown-skinned person in it, which, you know, that's sort of the next Mm -hmm. step and, you know, they are steps Mm -hmm. in in the right Mm -hmm. direction, hopefully. So you're the head of the brand and and marketing. So what's the strategy to continue this discussion and to push the really important issues for for all Aboriginal people um, through the brand? What's next for you guys? We always listen to community. We'll always talk about issues that community want us to to talk about and that face the Aboriginal community. So we're definitely inspired by what's happening in the world and what conversations that need to be had and influenced by our community. Our newest campaign that we're releasing in the next month or so is called Role Models Campaign by Clothing the Gap. And it speaks on our models that we choose to represent our brand are more than models. They are role models in their community with voices who are doing great things. Since Free the Flag campaign has come about, people have seen how great 
we are at campaigning. We have got no campaigning background, so I don't know how we've been able to pull that off, but we're good at it. Um, and I think we're good at it because we're passionate about it. So we've had a lot more people hit us up and say, you know, why don't you speak on raise the age? Why don't you speak on black deaths in custody? And, and which those are, those are issues that we care about. We're not the experts on it and we're not going to pretend to be the experts on it. So the role models campaigns are championing those experts who are at the forefront and speaking on those campaigns and trying to drive change. And what we're going to do is use our platform to elevate them and to amplify their voice and speak on that. So I'm really, really excited about it. We got four deadly people in in the, the first chapter is what we're going to call it. Um, there's chapters. So chapter one has got four deadly people. They're all from Queensland because we weren't allowed to do any photo shoots here in Melbourne, which was annoying, but really cool because we've been able to connect with Queensland mob. And yeah, sort of speaks on who they are what they do why they do what they do and then there's action pieces attached to it so for our audience that want to want to get behind it and support it the the people on the forefront the experts are telling you how to support it and how to get around it that's an amazing model uh, of of utilizing collective influence and at the same time promoting people that deserve to be promoted and that are role models mm-hmm. and at the same time again then also pushing that that conversation further beyond the boundaries of Victoria. That is a one, two, three brand strategy. That is fantastically intelligent. Thank you. We've done heaps of workshopping in our values. One of our values is to elevate Aboriginal people's voices. And I sat there and I started feeling really shit. I'm like, I keep talking about how we're elevating people's voices, but all I'm doing is posting a photo of them. I'm not elevating their voice. So how how do I do that? Because their voices are important and what they have to say is important. So that's where role models has come out out of this you know I'm going to post a photo of them and I'm going to share a story about them but they're going to use their own voice and I'm going to video it and we're going to share what they've got to say because you know the world is very complex colonization and reconciliation is very complex and there's a lot there's a lot that needs to be done so if we can do our bit by sharing you know bits of what needs to be done instead of just one thing then then why not I'm blown away by speaking to you, Sienna, about the intelligence of the way that the business is run from a structural perspective, at the importance of it from a social perspective and at what you've managed to achieve and to hear what you're going to continue to do down the track. It's an absolute joy to listen to. We do ask all of our guests one piece of advice that you would have for someone either wanting to start out a social enterprise or a fashion business or uh, anything akin to, to that give it a shot, like throw yourselves in the deep end. I have been, ever since I started being thrown in the deep end, I've never done public speaking, I've never done campaigning, but giving things a shot is where we've ended up being. Like we never thought we'd be one of the biggest Aboriginal clothing brands in Australia, but we gave it a shot and it's paid off. So, you know, there's there's no harm in trying. Thank you so much for joining us. I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you. I am just so proud of the work that you've done over the last you know, couple of years. And I really, really can't wait to see what happens um, for you and for Clothing the Gap next because I think the future is very bright. <laughs> Thank you both and thank you for having me and, you know, allowing me to elevate my voice and what we do at Clothing the Gap and be able to speak our truth. Thank you so much, Sienna. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I've loved this conversation. I look forward to seeing all your video vlogs on your run. I look forward to making them. (laughs) Thank you. See you later, legend. 
Thanks for listening. Next Generation Innovators is a future women podcast made in partnership with the Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources Entrepreneurs Program. And it's produced by Fancy Films. Join us again next week and make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And we'd love it if you could share, rate and review the podcast as it really does help people find us. See you then.